0: Your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Thursday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. I appreciate you all being back today. If you are listening to this on the podcast platform, is awesome. Check out our YouTube channel as well. We are live on that, debuting a show every Monday through Friday, just like we are on every podcast platform for free. Just a reminder this is always going to be for free. And I appreciate you all tuning in and listening today. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And on today's show, we are going to be talking about the analytics from this past week's game. So I do want to give you a little bit of a structure about how this show is going to go during the football season because I think it's kind of important to know what to expect each and every day. Typically on Mondays, we're going to be doing a a quick reaction, a quick breakdown with, and I'm going to announce it right now, LaShawn Daniels Jr., really excited about that. Uh, Matt Vandenberg has been joining our show for the last year. Uh, Now we're moving on. Uh, Matt has his own show, which is super exciting for him. And LaShawn is going to be joining our show now going forward. Really excited to have his perspective on the show. He'll be joining us to do a live, not live, an instant reaction, though, to each of the games. On Tuesdays, we're going to do an analytic and film review of the game, breaking down more in depth what happened on Saturday. On Wednesdays, we'll get into the press conferences, depth charts, really focusing on Iowa and what they need to do to prep for the next game. On Thursdays, we do our crossover episodes or just an in-depth analysis of the opposing team if we don't have the ability to get a crossover episode like for some of these um, smaller teams. And then Fridays, we're going to be focusing on predictions, storylines, uh, keys to the game, et cetera. Really kind of wrapping it all up on Fridays. So that's how you can expect to find your Iowa Hawkeye information Monday through Friday. However, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I know people are very focused on Iowa. Also, we have a pretty good understanding of what Iowa State is and what Iowa State does. So we don't need to do as much prep on the Iowa State Cyclones. So on today's show, we are actually going to be talking about the Iowa Hawkeye football team and the analytics behind this team. There's some really cool advanced analytics I want to share with you all. Talking about some snap counts so you can get an idea where some folks are getting slotted in at, especially along that defensive line. Talking about some of the pass rush pressure that we saw as well. Uh, so really excited about that. And then one thing I thought was interesting was the linebacker coverage and also our offensive blocking grades. We're going to talk about all that on the show today. And then, of course, we would not have a show if we didn't talk about Spencer Petrus. Um, definitely some interesting statistics regarding Spencer Petrus and how Indiana pressured him in this game. And then finally, on segment three, we'll wrap up with the Iowa basketball schedule that was released. We're going to break down some of those games, hardest to easiest, at least um, from a, a big school Perspective. We're not going to be breaking down some of those those teams that are in the, the Kempom 250s and below. So we'll be talking about that on the show today as well. And my final thing before we get into the show, this is a long intro, but I appreciate you all listening in. Tyler Cook did sign with the Bulls, at least the training camp. So we'll be keeping you posted on how he does in that training camp. Let's get into the show today. Let's get into the show, though, today. We're kicking it off the analytics and let's start on the defensive side. Um, a couple things I noticed, a lot of younger guys getting some snaps. Now, I didn't have a chance to go watch back this game until later in the week, so it wasn't, I wasn't able to go do this kind of stuff until today. Um, but I noticed a couple things. A lot of young guys getting some snaps. Now, it helps that Iowa basically had a blowout of Indiana. Ethan Herke got 16 snaps. Louis Steck got two snaps. Jay Higgins, 11. Reggie Bracey, 8. Quinn Schulte, 8. Sebastian Castro, 8. That was pretty exciting. On the offensive side of the ball, Luke Lachey had 13. We know he we saw him in the game during during actual time. Really excited to see him there. Matt Fagan, thir- three snaps. Tyler Ellsbury, three snaps. Mason Richmond played 60 snaps. I want to get to that in a second because that's really important to see how his snaps aligned with Jack Plum's snacks, snaps. Connor Colby, 12 snaps. This one really surprised me. Michael Mazunski, three snaps. Now, as you might know, he was a big-time center recruit, originally committed to Texas, decommitted from Texas, a guy who has NFL pedigree already, and then committed to the Iowa Hawkeyes. And people are very excited about his ability to step in and possibly play center right away or very soon, especially if Tyler Linderbaum was to leave and have gone to the NFL early. The fact that he got three snaps now means he is – he is pushing for that playing time as a true freshman, which is really exciting to see, especially um, for Michael Mithlinsky out of Florida, uh, a former three-star recruit. Gavin Williams uh, got the carries over the Sean Williams after obviously Ivory, Kelly Martin, and Tyler Goodson. Arlen Bruce got five snaps. Keegan Johnson got eight snaps. The more surprising thing was that Jackson Ritter got 14 snaps. Now, we've heard Kirk Ferris talk a little bit about Jackson Ritter. He mentioned that Jackson's in that mix, but I was not expecting Jackson to get 14 snaps, especially considering that on the depth chart, it goes Tyrone, it goes Nico, Charlie, Keegan. Jackson's five or six on that, but clearly they felt comfortable where he was. Um, There was one play though that the ball is thrown pretty tight in there. Uh, They did not count it as a drop, but I would consider it a drop. They hit him right in the hands. Um, Couldn't come up, you know, couldn't come down with the ball. Uh, I'm not going to dunk on the guy today. Needs to do better. And then Josiah Myman getting three snaps over Elijah Yelverton. So that's kind of where the tight end position seems to be shaking out. Uh, you know, Elijah was a big time recruit as well. had 30 something offers. We haven't seen him get a chance to really step on the field to this point. We've actually had him on the podcast a couple of times. Really great kid. So really excited for him. But Josiah Myman seems to be making his way to that third tight end spot at this point. So kind of goes, you know, Sam Laporta, Luke Lachey, and then Josiah Myman out of Illinois. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, I did want to cover that. Um, the defensive line has been an area that everyone was very excited about and very curious about. How would this defensive line shake out? Well, they overall did pretty well. But from a snap count perspective, here's who had the most snaps. And one is going to really surprise you. I can assure you of that. Leading the team in snaps, Zach Van Valkenburg with 51. No surprise there. Zach Van Valkenburg, all Big 10. John Wagner comes in second with 45 snaps. Makes sense. Former four star recruit out of West Des Moines Valley, a guy who's just been sitting and kind of waiting for his time, but has great size. Uh, you, you know, two hundred and seventy pounds, built just like a perfect four-three defensive end. Y.A. Black comes in third with snaps at thirty-five. Y.A. Black did not have a very good game from advanced analytics perspective, so it'll be interesting to see what Iowa sees on tape with Y.A. I didn't see anything that concerning, um, but we'll see what happens uh, come Saturday against Iowa State. Logan Lee, or sorry, actually, no, wrong. Lucas Van Ness is fourth in snaps with 35. Lucas Van Ness had himself a day. A guy who Kirk Ferentz didn't necessarily talk about specifically, but didn't mention these younger guys surprised him. They did a good job. Lucas Van Ness getting the one sack on the day. So really exciting stuff there. Then we get to Logan Lee. Yeah, we have not got to Noah Shannon yet. Logan Lee at 32 snaps. And then Noah Shannon at 31 snaps. So I'm going to have to go back to tape and look at this and see – why did noah get Luna's snaps what were those snaps in um that'll be interesting to see what that breaks out but i thought that was really interesting and after that it goes down to ethan herkett at 16 snaps and joe evans at nine joe evans is the guy who was vying for starting time that Kerr ferens noted that he really was excited for joe evans that joe evans was a guy they were not worried about because they knew exactly what they had in him joe evans is I think the second leading snap getter, if you want to call it that, on this defensive line coming into the season. Nine snaps and only on eight pass rush snaps it was a very interesting allotment for that. Now, that could change depending on the game. I'm not going to look into it too much now, especially if Iowa wants to go a little more NASCAR package and the passing downs. But Indiana wasn't running the ball too much so i thought it was interesting that joe evans wasn't in the game as much they weren't going to that nascar package but you know clearly they were really excited to get some of those younger uh interior defensive line in and weren't as worried about getting some of that pass rush uh needs from joe evans so it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out but i really wanted to show you that because the snap count does give you an idea of where the iowa football coaches see this defensive line rolling coming up on segment two we're going to get into some more defensive uh, metrics some missed tackle stuff, uh, some linebacker play that looked a little bit more questionable when you think about it. Before we get into any of that, though, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and put some money in your pocket I personally went to rockauto.com it usually takes me 10 minutes to drive to the brick and mortar store I needed two engine air filters in less than five minutes I had those two engine air filters being delivered to my door it saved me $50 it saved me time it saved me money and I got the parts delivered directly to my door it's a perfect combination of convenience price and availability so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck Right, Locked On in their How to Do Here About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, y'all, and we are back for segment two. We're going to get into more of those advanced analytics. Again, we kind of wrapped up with some defensive pressures uh, or some defensive snaps and some young guys. From a pressure perspective, Zach and Valkenberg, Noah Shannon, and Lucas Van Ness had four four, uh, pressures each out of 15 combined pressure so a pressure is either a sack a QB hurry or a QB hit that all counts as a pressure and those guys led the team with four each so very exciting stuff there again Zach from Valkenburg was a guy I was a little bit concerned about coming into this season because all the eyes were going to be on him last year Davian Nixon was there you also had Chauncey Golston you Jack Heflin was tying up blocks for days Zach Valkenberg was not getting the lion's share of the attention there, and now he is, and he's still able to be productive, which is really exciting to see. That defensive line is really important to free up our linebackers. And now I have been on record saying I'm very excited about this linebacker group, Seth Benson, Jack Campbell, and Justin Jacobs. Overall, I didn't think they played that bad of a game. The advanced analytics do show a little bit differently, though. And what I find interesting is that the way this group lines up will be interesting as iowa state seth wallace said they expect to be in the four three more often because iowa state has such superior tight ends and they're going to be using them quite significantly plus we need to be able to stop the run well against indiana seth benson and jack campbell were targeted eight times and they allowed eight completions for 103 yards out of the 156 total when you look at who those completions came to though the majority of them were Ty were with Peyton Hendershot, one of their tight ends, getting, I believe, two of the catches. So that's something to watch out for. Clearly, Indiana was able to scheme these wide receivers into being on a linebacker and get open, especially Ty Freifogel, an All-American wide receiver. That is a mismatch for days. Even if Iowa's a man, that is not a good coverage situation. Now, to be fair, when you look at these advanced analytics, sometimes you are not aware the person grading these are not aware of where that linebacker's responsibility begins and ends. So there's a little bit of give and take with these statistics, but it's something I'm going to be watching against Iowa State as these guys will be lining up on tight ends, as will Justin Jacobs. And if I'm Iowa State, I'm trying to figure out a way to get more wide receivers in there and keep Iowa in their base 4-3 and find that zone and find that area where we can get some big plays. Missed tackles is also kind of an issue. It's the first game of the season, so that's to be expected. But 10 missed tackles, two by Seth Benton alone. So I'll be interested to see how that kind of cleans up a little bit. As Kirk said, they have things they need to improve. We know that. Missed tackles, fumbles, uh, drops. Those are all things Iowa needed to improve. And the fact they still won by such a big margin goes to show you just how advanced this team is already. They clean those things up. That's an even bigger game. Now, going against Iowa State, you need to clean those things up. Iowa hasn't had a turnover in years against Iowa State. They need to keep it that way. That's a very important thing coming into this game. You don't want to give Iowa State momentum at Jack Tri Stadium. And it'll be really important for Spencer Petras to be able to clean and keep things clean. He didn't have a single turnover worthy throw against Indiana. A turnover worthy throw. So, for example, Michael Penix Jr., I believe, had seven or eight turnover worthy throws, meaning he threw the ball. And it probably should have been picked off. It wasn't. We had a couple drops on the defensive side of the ball. Spencer did not have a single turnover worthy throw. He needs to keep that up. Last year, he struggled. So can he keep that up? Again, on the secondary side, I thought our secondary played outstanding. Um, It was mentioned even during the broadcast that the teams felt like, it seemed like teams were targeting Riley Moss. Matt Hankins only targeted four times. He primarily lined up on Ty Freifogel. Riley Moss was targeted seven times and allowed zero receptions. So um, really like how our secondary is breaking out. Iowa seemed to play a little bit more man, which is interesting. And I'll be interested to see if they do that against Iowa State. Maybe not given the tight end and having to put your linebackers in coverage, but we'll see there. Offensive blocking grades. Everyone was very concerned you know, about our offensive line. How would this shake out? Nick DeJong had an 81.6 pass blocking grade, which is really great to see from a former walk-on. Cody Ince had a 67.5 pass blocking grade. What I find interesting about these grades is that they weren't that good. Iowa was allowing a lot of pressure from Indiana. Now, Indiana blitzed quite a bit, but Iowa has a lot to clean up. And I thought that actually goes to show that Spencer Petras did a pretty good job given how much pressure was in him and the pocket. Mason Richmond, a 57 passing grade. Tyler Linderbaum, a 47.2 pass blocking grade. And Justin Brett, a 26.3 pass blocking grade. He allowed two pressures. Now, how this all works out 50 is average. Anything below that's bad. Anything above that is getting into better, better, better and good. It's graded on a zero, one, two scale. Zero, I, I think there might be a minus one. Zero, you did your job. One, you did a solid job. Two, you did a great job. Push your guy back, had no pressure at all. And they average all that out to give you a grade for the game. So it's all graded on each individual thing. Now it's important to note that they don't know what the offensive line is schemed to do. So some of these things, again, there's some give and take with this. There's been times where I've noticed a guy who had three sacks and graded out as like a 23 overall pass rusher, which is terrible. He had three sacks. He still had a pretty darn good game, regardless of how you graded out his other opportunities. So it doesn't weight the big things as well, and it doesn't weight the bad things as poorly to make it kind of an average. So it really prides itself on how consistent you are each and every play in an individual battle. Offensive line play is not an individual battle, though. So that was interesting. Moving on to Spencer Petrus, um, and then we'll get to highest graded players for wrapping up with some basketball talk. Uh, again, zero turnover worthy throws. One big time throw, which... Um, We knew Iowa wasn't pushing the ball down the field. There wasn't a lot of big opportunities, and Iowa's secondary wasn't able to get, or Iowa's wide receivers were not able to create a lot of separation. So, Spencer Peters, being smart with the ball, never really made some big time throws, which is basically when a ball is thrown well timed down the field and has excellent location. Um, One thing to note he wanted to get the ball out in 2.5 seconds. His average time to throw on all dropbacks was 2.86 seconds not bad. He's close to that and he had a lot of pressure on him as well. And then finally we mentioned the drops. Spencer is throwing under 50% completion percentage. People are going to talk about that. But his adjusted completion percentage was actually 60.9%. So, he's working on, it. he's getting better. I saw a guy in the comments saying Iowa wasn't or he wasn't very accurate with his balls. He still does have to improve that, especially when he's on the run. Some of those balls are terribly thrown when he's on the run. But in the pocket, I thought he played pretty well. And I thought he threw the ball where he needed to and there was one or two times where iowa did make some good adjustments iowa wide receivers made some good adjustments to come back and get the ball and then rushing success kind of interesting not surprising there iowa had the most rushing success going behind tyler linderbaum and nick DeJong. and finally indiana blitzed iowa on 14 of the dropbacks and it wasn't good six pressures without blitzing so eight pressures on the 14 dropbacks when they take on Iowa State, that's something that Iowa State is going to be watching. The blitz worked. They did get a lot of pressure on Iowa. I bet Iowa State is going to try to bring pressure at least late in the game, early on, keep it kind of safe, make Spencer Petras find the open spots, but then lately at the end try to bring that pressure later on. So that will be interesting to watch. And then finally, your highest graded players today, Riley Moss at 92.1. Justin Britt at 79.7. You know how I mentioned a bad pass blocking grade, a phenomenal run, block, run blocking grade. Zach and Valkenberg at 78.8, Noah Shannon at 78.3, and Justin Jacobs at 78. That is your top five PFF-graded players for this past weekend. Coming up on segment three, we're going to get into that basketball talk, talk a little bit about that schedule, and then we will wrap up the show. I do want to tell you about Sweat Block, though, because if you are like me, you have some excessive sweating problems, and it sucks. It sucks to talk about. It's embarrassing to try to pick out your shirts based off your sweating problems you know I've dealt with this. I've talked about this on the show. It is not fun. I just would rather not to worry about them. And I've tried different products before. Now I use sweatblock's antiperspirant wipes, and I feel phenomenal. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than all these antiperspirants and it is awesome I know it sound too good to be true but I literally only have to use sweatblock once or twice a week and it keeps me dry the whole time no more pitting out no more picking my shirts based on which one will hide sweat better and if you are you or someone or if you or someone you love is dealing with this you have to check out sweatblock I'm, I'm telling you it's awesome Get today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or Amazon or CVS and it is that time of year again. And all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. Tonight, we got the Cowboys versus Buccaneers. You can place bets on that. You can also play bets on the college football action that's taking place Friday through Saturday. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at betonline.ag. So head over to that website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100 welcome bonus when you use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for our 2021 season. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get into our final part of the show today iowa basketball we got the schedule which is super exciting i'm going to place that here up in the screen here in a bit so if you are watching the youtube show that'll be up here in a second but definitely really excited to see that schedule and it is it is brutal like absolutely brutal we know the big 10 is gonna be good the way this schedule shaked out not so good for the hawks uh so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that they thankfully, have a very, very easy non-conference schedule. Um, They do have the Big Ten ACC crossover versus Virginia. They do get a Utah State team that was pretty solid last year. And Iowa State is going to rebound. They have several transfers, some solid players. But outside of that, all of their teams are pretty low in Kempom. If you are not familiar with Kempom, Kempom is basically the advanced analytics way of analyzing basketball teams. It gives you a pretty good output of how good or bad these teams are. There are 350 two teams I think in Ken Palm's analytics I'll need to check that to to confirm basically anything below 120 130 is probably not a very good team anything below 200 is a bad team 300 is terrible all of Iowa's non-conference games outside of Virginia Iowa State and Utah State last year were below 250s so it's good for Iowa to have those kind of warm-up games but the Big Ten is going to be absolutely brutal. Let me pull up that schedule here, though, and I'll kind of talk through this. The hardest part is that opening part of the season. They get Virginia, Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa State in about a two-week span. Sorry, my voice is going out there for a second, but let me pull this up. So as you can see, here's my rankings of these games, the big games, not the, the, uh, obviously, the, the smaller games, but we have Purdue at Purdue at Michigan, at Illinois, at Maryland, at Ohio State. Those are top 25 teams. Then we get Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, Illinois, Maryland, at home. That's 10 games against top 25 teams. Virginia, not a team that is typically – or that is having as much praise coming into the season, but they are typically a very good team. Going on the road to Virginia, not easy for a young Iowa basketball squad. Following up, we get at Rutgers. Rutgers, not ranked but still have a lot of veterans returning, which will be good for them. Indiana is a team that's getting a little bit of love in the top 25, but thankfully we only have them at home. Wisconsin is not going to be as good this year. We get them on the road. Fall, by Iowa State, Nebraska, Minnesota. Again, none of those teams. We should be able to beat all those teams. Should. But on the road, never easy. Finally, we get Utah State, Nebraska at Penn State, versus Minnesota, versus Penn State, and versus Northwestern. When I look at this, I would say anything below 12, Iowa should win, should, should be favored in. That's, let me see, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 19, 20. That is 11 games Iowa should be favored in. Above that, I don't know if Iowa will be favored in any of these games, depending on how they do, right? Because you're going to get the Michigan States, the the Maryland, Illinois, you're going to get them later on in the season. So there is a chance. To be fair, Illinois is actually home early on in the season, but some of these games is going to be coming later on in the season, so Iowa might be favored depending on how they are doing at that point. But that, to me, is going to be very interesting. This is quite a brutal schedule, and Iowa is going to be favored in maybe 50% of it. That's not, not ideal. A young team, I do think they have the potential. I think they have the length. I think they're going to be bringing a lot of defensive energy this year. Offensively, that is the biggest question mark. Can the transfer Philip Abracha show up? How does Josh Ogundele play? Jordan Bohannon, will he shoot better, being basically a, a, a CJ Frederick in that regard, getting a lot of balls off this, you know off screens and really getting the ball or the play designed to get him the ball and shoot with with some space? How does Patrick McCaffrey continue to develop? How does Keegan Murray continue to develop? Will Chris Murray show what we've been talking about for a while? Is he is he going to be a big time player? And then is George, you know, is Joe Toussaint ready to step up and be that point guard. Tony Perkins is a fantastic, you know, depth at shooting guard. I'm excited to see him play. But again, depth is gonna be huge. The inexperience is definitely there. Can Iowa figure it out early on? That'll be tough because they have some really bad non-conference games, followed by a brutal stretch of getting a Purdue team that's ranked in the top 10, a Virginia team that's always tough at home, Iowa State, which is always a tough non-conference game, except for last year and then Illinois at home, who is going to be a top 25 team as well. What a brutal schedule. I'm excited for it, though I cannot wait for basketball season as well. We are back into the groove of things. Iowa football is taking place. Iowa basketball is a couple months away. All the other Iowa sports are absolutely crushing and we'll try to start covering that a bit more as we get more into the seasons. Um, But betting on your team doesn't have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts at. And as you know, that does do it for our show today. That is the wrap of our show today. We will be back tomorrow giving you some storylines to watch out for for this Iowa, Iowa State game, telling you a little bit more about this Iowa State team and what to expect and then giving you our predictions for the game. So make sure to tune into that. As always, Hawkeye Nation, I appreciate you listening in. I appreciate your love, your support. And just a reminder that on Monday, we have LaShawn Daniels joining us. That is going to be exciting to have him on the show, helping us break down this game. And no love lost here. Go follow Matt's new podcast with his wife, Laura. That is going to be a fun podcast to listen to as well. As you all know, I do support some of the Iowa Hawkeye podcasts out here. And I think you got to go check out Matt and Laura's. It is going to be really phenomenal. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a phenomenal Thursday, and as always, Hawkeye Nation, let's go Hawks.